and welcome to week number two of the very special Lines podcast here where me and Brett go over all of our Circa contest picks. Of course, I am Matt Brown. Find me on Twitter at MattBrownM2. You can find Brett over on the Twitter machine at Brett Colson here. We are coming off of a 1-3 in one week, not really setting the world on fire here in this contest. Brett, we had a weird push with the Colts, which kind of sucked. We had a what I thought to be a locked-in win with the Lions. They go into soft defense, allow the Cardinals to come back and tie that game, which, of course, loses our two-and-a-half in that one. I'm not going to say those were necessarily bad beats, but those were certainly unfortunate beats. Yeah, we thought we were dead with the Colts at one point, too, and then they you know, they scored a quick touchdown, and we're right in it. And, look, I don't want to blame a kicker. But come on, Adam Vinatieri. Come yeah. on, dude. Yeah, that was that was. I mean, that one looked like that one turned really quickly, and then we were like, "Oh man, this one seems like we actually have this one." And, and it, things were looking up for us here. I mean, I looked back over the process here, and honestly, I'm not really regretting too awfully much. I mean, look, we took the Bucks, and the Bucks lost. They played a horrible, terrible game, and then we see them come back on Thursday night and, and win a game. And, that was a weird game, man. And, you know, the Bucks. it was a team where I think we were probably on the right side of that if you look at how this game broke down. I mean, they, had, they, had, they gave the 49ers two defensive touchdowns. They had eight penalties for over 80 yards in that one. They had four total turnovers. They had three bad drops in that one. I mean, every single thing went against. They had a touchdown uh, called back. I mean, it was every single thing went against the Bucks in that game. And then we saw, then they come back and then they win this week against the Panthers. And so, you know, I'm not really regretting that decision too awfully much. I mean, when you look back on it, do you do you feel like we made a big error there, or do you think that's just kind of being on a, on the bad side of variance? No, I think that's. I think the process was was right there. Uh, I, they played great defensively. The 49ers had nothing going on offense the entire game. So you know, this, the two defensive touchdowns was really what did Tampa Bay in. They had a chance to to go in and tie it up there. Uh, at the end of the fourth quarter and Jameis did Jameis things and we were done. Uh, the one that I think we we obviously misread was the Broncos and Raiders. Yeah, the Broncos are just way worse than I thought. I mean, like, I, yeah, I mean, they are just way worse than I thought. And honestly, we learned a lot in that first game, which I am taking into consideration here because I am fully I fully believe a guy in his 60s doesn't isn't going to change his stripes like in the middle of uh, seeing Vic Fangio coach is certainly has me very wary of this Broncos team now, too, because he is using that old school points are better than no point strategy here. I mean, a guy that chose chose to reduce a lead from 15 to 12 whenever there were eight and a half minutes left in the game. Yes, Brett, if you do that math, that is still two touchdowns that he needs with eight and a half minutes left in a game here. And if that's the way that he's going to coach this team, if that's the way that he's going to play, it's going to be real hard for me to get on the Broncos train really anytime soon because that is just not the way you can play football in 2019. There are guys in this league who are just better suited to be coordinators X's and O's guys. I think Vic Fangio is one of those guys. I think Doug McDermott in Buffalo is another one of those guys or Sean McDermott. I always do that. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, I just, you can't, it's so hard to put trust in a guy 
who makes decisions like that because they're going to, I mean, in a game where the edges are so small, you have, you have to be right in every single one of those situational, I mean, the, the situational play calling and this, you know, the, the kicking a field goal or going for it. I mean, those are, those are huge in the NFL and so many of these guys just do it the opposite the way they should. This should certainly be a fun podcast to talk through if you guys are wanting to go through our processes here because there are a lot of differences in our cards this week. I'll just start with the one game that we are both on here, and that is Jags plus eight at the Texans. So we are both on that one. So that one is definitely going to make the card. I think my biggest thing in this game was the look ahead, the look ahead line here was three and a half. And I understand that Nick Foles is is out for this game, but are you really and truly going to try and tell me that Nick Foles is worth five points, Brett? It just, to me, does not seem like that is the case whatsoever. So for me, it was kind of just a nearly a cut and dry decision w- when I look at it, because I don't think, uh, certainly Gardner Minshew, we don't really know what he's all about. He's When he stepped in, he looked good when he was under center, but is he that big of a drop off from Nick Foles? I don't it's hard for me to buy it. And then after watching what this Texans defense and I use defense in air quotes here uh, did against this Saints team. I mean, I think the Texans, I, I mean, I think the uh, Jaguars are gonna be able to move the ball here. So I, I don't know. I mean, it just seemed like this line was a, a really, really big overreaction to what is really a middling quarterback going down for a team. Yeah, agree. I, and look, Minshew looked phenomenal. It's a small sample, but he was 22 for 25. He, I mean, he just marched down the field against the Chiefs, which is not a difficult thing to do, but he looked like a pro quarterback. And Nick Foles is in average to maybe above average pro quarterback. So he's not worth five points. And on the other side of the ball, Deshaun Watson was pinballed all over the field on Monday, coming back on Schwartz's defense. Are we even sure he's going to be right for this game? I mean, that's so I wish I would have taken unders on basically everything that had to do with Deshaun Watson, because that dude is not going to play all season. It's impossible. Like, I mean, it is I would imagine we're looking at a guy that might, I mean, maybe play maybe play 10 or 11 games this year. He's just going to get absolutely battered all year long. They can't protect him because he doesn't have he doesn't release the ball quick enough. And yeah, he, he's going to play 10 to 12 games. would might be my guess. And look, he could get knocked out of this one early. Yeah. And I then mean, what? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not in love with the fact that it doesn't look like A.J. Bouye is going to play in this game. I, I'm certainly not in love with that. However, you do have Jalen Ramsey, who is going to be all up in DeAndre Hopkins stuff all day long in this. And, you know, if as long as he's playing and he's going to be on D hop, that's going to be an amazing battle up and down the field here. And then honestly, if you look at this, the Jaguars, I understand they don't have any receivers that really and truly jump off the page to you. They don't have one of these true NFL number one receivers there, but in D.D. Westbrook, in D.J. Chark, I mean, you do have some guys that can go out there and make plays. We saw Chark be able to, in his second season there for the Jaguars, step in, and, and, and you know, he had a massive game in week one as well. And then, listen, I, I looked at the way that 
I looked at the way that this Texans run defense looks and and yeah, I mean, it is certainly a situation where they might just stack the box and say, hey, Gardner Minshew. You're going to have to beat us. We're not going to let Leonard Fournette beat us. And if that's the case, and if that's the case, I almost think that works in the Jaguars favor, because when you look at how this secondary was able to able to be shredded by the Saints and of course, the Jags aren't the Saints, but still, they were just absolutely shredded by the Saints team. I think the Jags can at least find enough success to keep this within a touchdown and we're getting more than a touchdown here. So for me, this was a pretty easy pick and one of the first ones to make the card for me. Yeah, I love this spot. I mean, it's just like, you know, taking advantage of an overreaction or this early in the season. I think you just have to do it, even if it does. We don't love it with a guy who we don't really know what Gardner Minshew is yet. But you just you pinch your nose and you just click on the Jaguars here. So let's talk about one of the ones that made both of our cards, but for the opposite sides. Uh, We actually have two of those this week to talk through. So I'm very interested here. I actually have Bills minus one at the Giants. You actually have Giants plus one hosting the bills here uh let me i went through my little spiel first and foremost with this with this first game so i'll let you lead off here and then i'll uh, i'll i'll come back with what i was thinking sure yeah i mean look nobody looked as bad as the giants last week miami doesn't count uh so this is simply buying low on a home dog against a team that probably didn't deserve to win last week in buffalo apparently sam Darnold was already playing with mono so i'm docking the buffalo defense some points and the bills showed no signs of life on offense until cj mosley left the game with an injury uh, now if there is a spot for the uh, for uh, for them to come to life it's against this giants defense like make no mistake this this unit is terrible but i still i still want the home dog here i don't expect this to be a popular play at all in the contest that's partly why I landed in my top five. Uh, I think the wrong team is favored here, man. I think the Bills coming off a win are in a really bad spot. I, I don't like them as a favorite. So I like the Bills here from the get-go, and then the news that just came through here about 45 minutes ago actually only solidified that Sterling Shepard is out this week for the Giants. Uh, really, you know, by far their top number one wide receiver there. So now it's just a hodgepodge there on on offense, and I think as we've as we've seen here. This Bills defense is just going to probably say, hey, look, we're kind of like what we were talking about in this first game here. We're not going to let Saquon Barkley beat us. That is not going to happen. So I think they're going to make Eli Manning with his little pop gun arm that he's got and now throwing to not even his, you know, again, we're we're talking about uh, we're talking about now a receiving core that really is now led by a tight end. And that's who's going to have to be their number one receiver there. And so. I think the Bills defense has enough to keep this uh, putrid Giants offense from 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 actually, I I mean, I think there's a decent chance they never even lead in this game at all. And also, if you watched, I don't know how much of that Giants game you watched last week, but I watched a pretty good amount of it. And I understand that that Josh Allen is not Dak Prescott. And I certainly understand that that, you know, John Brown probably isn't even Michael Gallup, but the deep ball was there all day long against this Giants defense. And one thing that the Bills and Josh Allen actually excel at in his young career here is throwing the deep ball and is getting those big splash plays. And the Giants gave them up at will against the Cowboys last week. Um, this one actually seemed uh, this this was actually another one of the ones um that I was on. And, and not only that, I actually am and personally invested 
uh, as well. But uh, that one, this one will not make the card. We're on opposite sides here, so we will just go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and scratch it off. I do want to know though. I mean, how do how do the Giants score here? Like, so is Sterling Shepard out and and limited resources here and and under center? Uh, how, how do the Giants score? Yeah, I did see the Shepard news. I, I guess the hope for the Giants is that they get creative with the two play, the two playmakers they have left. Spread Saquon out. They did that at times last year when they were short on receiving options. Uh, he's a matchup nightmare wherever he lines up. So find ways to get Saquon in space, and, and they'll be able to move the ball. Okay, the other one that we are on opposite sides of here is Vikings Packers. Uh, this Come was, on, man. This was one I was actually waiting. Uh, I, I sat up and was refreshing, refreshing apps to, as soon as I could, get on the money line in this one, uh, try to get on the Vikings side. So when you take a look at this game here, what we're going to see is Xavier Rhodes is going to shadow Devontae Adams. And at that point, Aaron Rodgers has to try and win this game with Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Geronimo Allison. We saw, and, and granted, this Vikings defense is not as strong as the Bears defense. The Bears defense probably a still, still a top three or four unit, but this Vikings defense is definitely a top 10 unit inside of the, the NFL this year. And, and really and truly, when he had to rely on those ancillary receivers and he had to rely on the twos and threes because Devontae Adams was getting uh, double covered and, and they were rolling coverage on top of him. And they, they just were basically saying, hey, we're not going to give uh, give up this game to Devontae Adams. I think that's exactly what we're going to see here from this Vikings team with this number being three because we're getting three at worst case. I see a push scenario. I certainly don't see a loss. As I mentioned, I got on the Vikings money line with my own money personally invested in this one as well. You look at Dalvin Cook, who's finally healthy, as explosive as we've ever seen him since he since he left college. Still two very good receivers. Didn't even have to pass that much last week. The defense played so incredibly well there against the Falcons. Uh, it did the, the Kirk Cousins only had to put the ball in the air 10 times. Now, that's not going to be the norm. He's certainly going to have to pass at least double that, if not more, in this game versus the Packers. But uh, defensively, I think they have an advantage. I think they are at least right there with the Packers, if not have a defensive advantage. On the offensive side of the ball, you can try and you, you can double cover one or the, one of the two guys, but they have two highlight reel, real true 1A, 1B receivers there as well. Didn't even really have to get Kyle Rudolph involved last week because, again, he only, they only threw the ball 10 times in that whole game, but do have a capable tight end as well in Kyle Rudolph who can make plays as a threat in the red zone. And uh, again, I go back to the a healthy Dalvin Cook is is very, very huge for this team as well. So that's why I was was on the Vikings in this one. All right. First of all, Xavier Rhodes is the most overrated corner in the league. Devontae Adams is just fine. I mean, he was he was good in the two meetings last year. He's I think Adams actually hits an edge over Rhodes. So I'm not I'm not worried about that matchup. The Packers were my most undervalued team coming into the year this season. I don't think they're getting enough respect for what they did last Thursday night against the Bears. They went into Soldier Field and put on a defensive clinic. I think they're at least a point better than Minnesota on a neutral field. And what you always have to factor in to these Vikings is how awful they are against the spread when they're on the road, especially outdoors. Uh, last week, last week's game was a weird one. They won that game handily because of a blocked punt early turnovers and just kind of sat on the ball the rest of the game that's fresh on people's minds they beat a falcons team that came in 
pretty like fringy playoff team just kind of rolled over them. I think this is a great spot to fade a high stock team in Minnesota on the road. Take a well-rested team with the best quarterback in football. So you think you, you think the, the Vikings are because I mean, there, we haven't seen any real movement on this. I mean, I don't know how overvalued they really are. I, don't, I actually think that, that people are looking to get on the looking to get on the Packers in this game. The, from what I've seen, the, the majority of tickets are coming in on the Vikings. I think the last I saw it was like between 62 and 65 percent. Yeah, that is uh, that's interesting. I mean, look, we're it, it's one, it's a funny game because we're you know again we <laughs> when we're on opposite sides we said that the the, the, the play won't make the card and and so we'll kind of we'll kind of move on. But yeah, it is to me. Um, I don't know. I I have a pretty I have a pretty strong actually pretty strong position uh, on this one. It looks like what we're looking at is about fifty five percent of the bets on the Vikings with about the same amount of money coming in on the Vikings. So it's not one of those scenarios where it looks like the sharps or big betting conglomerates or groups are on the Packers because we would see a dis- discrepancy there in the money on that side of things. So interesting. All right. I mean, we both made our case here. Nobody wins. Um, <laughs> I'll start with my, my other, one of my other two here and we can see if we can uh, get on the same page on some of our other, our other picks here. Uh, one of mine might actually make the card, which was, glad that we didn't have opposite sides of this one is uh Steelers minus four at home against the Seahawks of course I don't like the Joe Hayden situation that he's questionable in this one that being said this is really this really just goes here as I think both of these coaches are pretty toothless at this point and I'll take the home team that I think just has more talent and that's going to be the Steelers in this one. I mean, it's not a it's there's no groundbreaking thing here. I mean, obviously, we saw the Steelers go out and get completely hammered by the Patriots. I think that might be pushing down this number a little bit as well. Uh, for the contest purposes, it is Steelers minus four um, in this one right now. We're seeing uh, money has come in on the Steelers. And so. Uh, we're seeing the Steelers coming in, you know, three, three and a half now in this one in different places. So money certainly piling in on the Steelers here. And for me, you know, listen, let's go running back to running back. James Conner and and Chris Carson, probably a push quarterback to quarterback. I mean, I think Ben Roethlisberger is better. You could make the case to me if you wanted to that it's a push at the quarterback position. Wide receiver position, certainly if Juju is healthy, is going to be in favor of the Steelers there and then I mean what we saw from this uh, Seahawks defense where Andy Dalton goes in and throws for over 400 yards for the first time in his career on the road where there's supposedly the 12th man and all without AJ Green I might add it leads me it makes me wonder what Ben Roethlisberger at home is going to be able to do against this Seattle secondary. This defense is Seattle used to get by on being able to play really strong defense, run the ball, basically play keep away. That's not going to be the that's not going to be the option this year. This defense is nowhere near what it has been in the past and the fact that Pete Carroll is continuing on with his offensive philosophy despite the fact that they're not keeping, you know, the, that they're not playing defense as well as they used to is just a big big red flag for me. So uh, th- looks like a bounce back spot for the Steelers at home for me, and I like the Steelers minus four. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I wrote down. Get right spot for Pittsburgh coming off that embarrassing throwaway, really, lost to New England. I, I think this is a really good defense that will now get unleashed this week against Russell Wilson in this offense. And I don't think Seattle's any good. I don't trust Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll calling plays. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think Pittsburgh's going to shine. Okay, so we're good. So you'd you'd have been good with that one making the card even if it wasn't my must make. So that's, that's yeah that the, was like that was towards the upper middle of my card. Good so deal. I'm I'm fine with that getting out. Good there. deal. Good deal. All right. So let's go to one of yours here that uh, is uh, is is on your list. Falcons plus one versus the Eagles here. Of course, we just mentioned Falcons go up to Minnesota, get their asses handed to them in that game looked completely clueless on offense in that one could not get anything going whatsoever the eagles had to rally against the the redskins did come through and and start to play like a real team there in the you know kind of like the end of the first half and certainly through the second half more of what we we are accustomed to with the eagles and more of what we thought the eagles were going to be this year so uh, tell me what you like about the falcons here against the eagles yeah, what I said earlier about uh, the Vikings-Packers game, about the Falcons there, applies here. Uh, I don't think the I, I think the Falcons are going to turn things around this week. I, I think that was kind of a fluky first half that they couldn't get their way out of. Uh, this is a pretty good team, and to get them as an underdog here against really anybody aside from the Patriots, I think is a pretty good spot coming off a loss like that, where they really want to uh, prove that they are a good team at home. So uh, in prime time, I'm going to trust Matt Ryan against a really porous Philadelphia Eagles secondary. Uh, I think Julio and and Calvin Ridley are going to eat this week. So I I like the Falcons quite a bit. I, um, <laughs> I know what I know what that means. <laughs> well, no, I'm actually I'm actually fairly indifferent on this game. This was like a this was actually like a stay away game for for me here. It was um it was very so here's my thing. I was probably higher on the Falcons coming into this season than a lot of people were, but then I was also super high on the Eagles coming into this year. I thought the, right. the Eagles were going to be you know, Super Bowl contenders, essentially. And then what we saw, and yeah, I mean, again, they they got right in the second half, but I mean, they got right in the second half against the Redskins. It's going to be a bottom five team in the NFL throughout the course of this season here. So the fact that it took a half to kind of get clicking versus, I mean, just an atrocious Redskins team here is certainly something that scares me. And it is certainly something that I'm not, uh, incredibly happy about it, 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 by any stretch of the imagination in this one. I guess my only my only thing here was, I mean, the Falcons looked just absolutely clueless up there in Minnesota. And I understand it's a road game to, to start the year. And I understand that it's like one of those situations where maybe it's a little bit flat and maybe it's it's whatever. But what I will say is since I didn't have an opinion on this game and you do have an opinion on this game, we'll go ahead and have this one make the card here at Falcons plus one versus the Eagles. And uh, 
There we now we have three picks on our card here. So this that's that's pretty good. Listen, we're making our way across. Uh, you know this hard again. These lines. Uh, that we're having to use are fixed lines. So, I mean, like this stuff could be moving all over the place and news could come out and things could happen and, and whatnot. So just, just, you know, the lines that we're talking about here aren't necessarily the lines. If you go and, you know, go and Google or go and uh, actually, if you go to the lines and look at our odds tracker over there and what's going on at DraftKings and FanDuel and the various books over in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, you might, you might see completely different stuff because money has certainly come in and things have started to move around. But the way these contests work, Brett is we just got to, we got to play the hand that has dealt to us to use a poker term. Yeah. What's interesting with the, the circle lines that you pointed out yesterday is that it looks like they're going with the, what they, think the line might close that because we've seen lines at circa that we can't find anywhere we saw some of them last week there was uh the colts plus six i didn't see it anywhere when circa released uh that line so uh, that, yeah it was six and a half pretty much everywhere at that, yeah, yeah, I didn't, yeah that was circa was the only six i saw and i don't even think circa had six uh, at that time so that was just a, a a line they set for the contest alone so definitely something to keep uh to keep in mind as we're as we're going through this because you know might be able to find some value spots. Yeah, and and one of the weird one of the one of the weirdest things was as we were kind of comparing the lines like a lot of the lines that are in the contest are are not even the lines that are at Circa. You know, I mean they're like actually pretty off from the lines that are currently at Circa. And so that's a uh, a pretty interesting uh pretty interesting deal here like, you know, I mean we were talking about it was it was Bills minus one that's on the card here. It's it sits at two at circa and that's that that hasn't moved since these lines came out here. And so yeah, I haven't really seen I haven't seen Bills minus one anywhere. So yeah, so it's pretty pretty interesting to see. Uh, pretty interesting to see here. So all right, so let's talk about uh, the final one that was on my card here, and that is the Cowboys minus five at the Redskins. Now there's a couple of things that went into play here. One of which was this thing opened, this thing opened at seven, uh, for whatever reason, immediately gets bet down. Now it's back up, it gets bet down to five and a half at most places. Now it's back up to six at several other books, definitely up to five and a half at every book out there. I feel like we're getting a little bit of value here anyway on this. And then it comes out. Darius Geis has surgery on his knee. He's been moved to IR. Jordan Reed going to miss again for the Washington Redskins here. And so you've got a couple of very key components out. They're going to go with a million-year-old Adrian Peterson at running back here. And honest to God, this Dallas defense is actually for real. And I just I understand it's a it's a road spot here and I understand that this Washington team could, you know, quote unquote, try and rally or whatever it might be. But I think they blew their wad last week. And when they were not able to hold that lead that they had against the Eagles, I, I think that there's certainly something that that goes on there that kind of is a pretty telling sign of what this Washington Redskin team is. I think this Dallas team is actually really, really, really for real on pretty much every facet of the game. We saw Zeke come back and get a, basically a full, a full workload. They didn't really need him much more than they used him. And Gallup, it looks like he has a pretty good connection with Dak, and that is really good for them because they also have Amari Cooper out there as well. Old man Jason Witten, even though I think, Brett, you could outrun him in a 40, it's still finding ways to get open. I mean, like he is just really good at finding holes and, and sitting down. And yeah, it's only going to be a seven yard gain. But, you know, you move the ball seven yards at a time and it can work. And so 
I just really think this Dallas team is a very complete team top to bottom. And I think that this Redskins team on top of what we thought was going to be a horrible team anyway, now they're down even more uh, key components here. And I think that this is, uh, I think this actually has a chance to get, get ugly in the Cowboys favor. It definitely does. But this was one of the toughest for me to cap because what I what I saw last week in Dallas was a legit Super Bowl contender, like you said. So I saw minus five and initially thought, all right, there might be some value on that number. But this line also might be inflated because the game was in front of a national audience. So. You know, I, I tend to lean the the home dog in these NFC East matchups. I just, you know, given what I mean, that Dallas team looks so good. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to take Washington here, too. I was I was completely indifferent on this one. I threw it to the bottom and, and I don't know. I mean, con- convince me. I guess. Well, I, I mean, we I might, tried we might to. Be able to find something else. I mean, yeah, I, I, I tried to with that whole spiel uh, there at the at the beginning. Listen, let's let's talk through this and we'll see if there's anything else. Some other spots here that maybe look a little bit more intriguing to us and maybe something that we would want to jump on. The final one that's on your card here. And I knew I, I knew this one was going to be on your card regardless. I just I was 100 percent positive. You're going plus 18 on the Miami Dolphins against the New England Patriots. Now, this is the one. Convince me. Listen, okay, let's let's start from the beginning. Back in May, when the Vegas books opened this, it was Patriots minus 10. Seemed pretty fair. Defending champs on the road against one of the worst rosters in football with a rookie coach. Last week, FanDuel opens it at Patriots minus 9.5. Not a whole lot has changed. Now, we've got a week of information, and, okay, those lines were wrong. We, 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 we know that. The 9.5, 10, that was wrong. I think the books clearly misjudged just how bad this Miami team is. But this line we're looking at right now is more wrong. People are losing their minds with this. 18 points on the road should not exist in the NFL, especially with a team in the Patriots that has struggled so much going down to Miami and playing there. They're facing a coach uh, in Brian Flores who has been inside that Patriots locker room. He knows that organization as well as anybody. And, and he knows what's in store for him this week. And I don't think Belichick has any motivation to stomp on his former assistant either. How Matt Patricia beat the Patriots in Detroit last year and the Patriots were a horror or the Lions were a horror show. So I don't care how bad Miami looked on Sunday. They're not just going to roll over here in week two against a division rival. I think there are good football players on this team. I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks to bet on because he, <laughs> he goes, it doesn't matter. He's going to go for it. And he's always, he's that backdoor guy. And 18, 18 points is a lot of points with Ryan Fitzpatrick, man. Yeah, I um, and, and I'm fine with this. I'm actually fine with this one making the card strictly for the fact that at the end of the day, it's still a professional team. Now, we're going to feel really stupid when this is on our card and we're sitting there and the Patriots are up 42 to nothing. And we're going to say, yeah, that was probably what was going to happen in this game. But it is I think if you just take everything at face value here, it is still a professional football team with pro football players and even if some of these guys are asking to be traded or want to be traded or whatever it might be there's still pride involved there and maybe you want to show out for other teams who might want to trade for you or what or whatever it might be um and and at the end of the day if you're if you're the patriots is there any incentive 
to completely keep your foot on the gas whenever you kind of look at how this Patriots schedule is is shaping up, right? I mean, like, there's no reason for them to really sweat. And I, and I mean, I'm being honest here, like really sweat the next month and a half of their season. You know, I mean, like this is, it's kind of like, Hey, let's go out there and just get the wins and move on and be healthy and make sure that we we're, we're where we want to be. I mean, this goes, I, I, we talked about this. If you watched, listen to any of our preview podcasts, but I mean, for this Patriots team, it goes dolphins, jets, bills, redskins, giants, over the next five weeks, you know, I mean, that is literally the next month and a half of their schedule. And then it comes back on October the 21st with the Jets again. Now that is at the Jets at least, but still, I mean, so we're, we're talking about the next six weeks of this schedule that are almost a cakewalk. So it would not surprise me to see Bill Belichick go out there and they might be hammering the hell out of these guys through three and a half quarters. I mean, we might be looking at this thinking we're dead because they might actually be up by 35. I mean, that could be a real situation, but is there any real and listen, I know Tom Brady kind of runs that team and he hates to come off the field like he is a dude who's like, no, I'm staying on the field. You're not pulling me out. But is there any real reason to keep your starters out there, risk their health, risk whatever when Honestly, you can cakewalk through the rest of these weeks. Even if he is out there in the fourth quarter, this is Rex Burkhead and Damian Damian Harris running straight every single play in the fourth quarter. We've seen it countless times. They just drain the clock and get out of the get out of that stadium healthy and move on to next week. That's all it's going to be. So I, I love this spot. Even if we're down in the fourth by twenty some points, we've got Ryan Fitzpatrick who is going to try and score as much as possible in that fourth quarter. So I love it. All right. So we have four on our card here. Let's run. That's through. It. We, we haven't got to five yet. <laughs> we have four on our card here. Let's run through these other games and see if anything uh, kind of jumps out at us. And I'll just list it off for the listeners so they know what these lines were set at as uh, as the time that this contest was posted. So we have the Titans as three point favorites. At home against the Colts, we have the Lions as two-point dogs at home against the Chargers. We have the Ravens as 13-point favorites at home against the Cardinals. We have the, let's see what game we've not, oh, we have the Bengals as one-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the 49ers. We have the Raiders as six-and-a-half-point dogs at home against the Chiefs. We have the Rams, two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Saints. Broncos two and two and a half point dogs at home against the Bears that ga- I will never that game is never making our car I am never be- I'm not betting on the Bears or Broncos like it, 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 for, for any stretch of the imagination not not happening you don't like that Fangio and, revenge and then we have the the Monday night game that uh, pretty much got all the value sucked out of it it is uh, the Jets are six and a half point dogs at home against the Browns and I think we would just feel stupid betting that one considering it moved a full four four and a half points depending on where you were looking uh, after the Sam Darnold news there so what were what was let's just say what was what was a game that barely didn't make your card and then I can give you the game that barely didn't make mine all right I I like the Colts I'll start with what I don't like about the Colts is starting the year with back-to-back road games I think that does play a factor and I I wonder if that might be baked into the line but I'm still I'm still super high on this Colts team and I said last week I think the Titans are average Uh, that was good enough to stomp 
the fraud Browns, but I, I truly believe the Colts are a better football team. And coming off that tough road loss, uh, facing a stock high opponent, I think we're getting some value on Indy at plus three. My the one that barely didn't make the card for me was Cardinals plus 13 at the Ravens. And reason being is we're not going to see Lamar Jackson throw five touchdowns on 20 passes ever again, maybe in the history of his career. I mean, it's just not going to happen. This Ravens team wants to be run first and he didn't even have to run in that game. Mark Ingram had a pretty good game, but still not on a ton of opportunities and and everything there. And I think at the core, what this Ravens team wants to be is kind of a power team first, use a lot of the run, use Lamar Jackson with his legs and use that big stable of backs that they have there. I mean, they've got three different guys that they will probably use there for the Ravens, which what that does is, is if there's fewer opportunities for it's just fewer opportunities for the Ravens to get up just massively right I mean they're they're gonna they play possession ball and the Cardinals 13 I really wish this was 14 if this was 14 I think it would have been a slam dunk play for me but um, I guess my my biggest feeling here is this just seems like it reeks of backdoor cover all day long like the Ravens get up three touchdowns and then we kind of see what we saw from the Cardinals last week where Kyler Murray goes into pass only mode he ended up passing the ball 50 times you know over 50 times last week and they come back and get some sort of backdoor cover for us there in this one that was kind of my thinking in that Cardinals Ravens game yeah I agree with everything you just said I had the Cardinals right right below the Colts Uh, the look ahead on this was nine and a half uh, I think this might be a couple points off where it should be. So I'm perfectly happy with going Cardinals. Where were you on the Colts? I so my problem with my problem with the Colts mainly in this one, and I know it's not a it's not a huge thing, but so I mean we should have mentioned Devin Funches out for you know he put on placed on IR. He is it is designation to return, but you lose that number two guy there, and now you're having to go into the well here. And they do have some talent. They have Deion Kane, they have Paris Campbell, but these aren't guys that have really contributed to this offense at all. You know, I mean, really have not contributed in the least bit. And so it's, if it becomes kind of like the Marlon Mack show there, you know, I think that the Titans, as much as I hate the Titans and I do feel like this, eventually the wheels will fall off here for the Titans. I think if it becomes the Marlon Mack show that this Titans team is going to be able to at home kind of control this game, control whatever, and not allow Jacoby Brissett to go crazy to T Y Hilton. That was kind of my thinking there in that one. And it did play into the, and it did, you know, as you just mentioned, the, the whole, the whole back-to-back road game thing to begin the season certainly did have a factor as well. Yeah. agree with everything you just said. So, uh, if yeah, we, let's go Cardinals. If we want to go Cardinals, let's go Cardinals. I think the only other one that might make sense would be the Bengals at home against the 49ers. But do we really want to put the the Bengals on our card? It's, it's kind of like my as only a favorite as yeah. a favorite. Yeah. I mean, that's my I didn't thing. Know what to do. I didn't know what to do with that one. Yeah, that was my only thing. It's like, you know, it, the Bengals, I get it. I mean, the 49ers certainly looked like complete garbage as well in week one. Uh, and it would be the whole back-to-back road game thing for them. But the 49ers did not go back to California. They stayed on this side of the country. They went up to Youngstown, Ohio, and just stayed over here, practiced all week in Ohio. So it wasn't one of those, hey, fly five hours and then fly five hours back across the country type situation. They just stayed over here. And it's the beginning of the season. I've always been on the... 
I've always kind of been more on this travel thing as the season moves on when you really love sleeping in your own bed because you're kind of nicked up and it's just better to go home and you have your own routine and you probably have, I mean, these guys are so rich, you know, they probably have their own, you know, cryo chambers at home and all kinds of crazy stuff and ice bath things and you know what high altitude what you know what i'm saying like they they just have all these recovery things and all that and instead they're living out of a hotel room and 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 making these long plane trips to me i've always factored it in much much more when it is a when it's one of those uh situations kind of like more mid to late season yeah i get it i i mean i i kind of lean niners here but I think I'm lower on the Bengals than than most everybody. But this was way at the bottom of my card. I had no interest uh, in this one. So awesome. Yeah, let, let's All go right. Cardinals. Let's do it. Cardinals at plus 13 versus the well, that's at the Ravens. OK, so the final card for week two is going to be Jags plus eight at the Texans. Steelers minus four at home versus the Seahawks. Falcons plus one at home versus the Eagles. Dolphins plus 18 versus the Pats at home. And Cardinals on the road plus 13 at the Ravens here. I feel pretty good about this card. The only one that doesn't sit incredibly well with me in the pit of my stomach is Falcons and Eagles just because I have such a... I have to let my preseason biases go, though. That's the other thing that we we talk about not overreacting. But then at the same time, you also can't let your preseason biases like come into play here. Just because I thought this Eagles team was going to be a team that was going to be one of the very high Super Bowl contenders here doesn't mean that that's actually the case. I mean, that's just was one man's opinion. That was just my opinion. And I have to be able to you know, come watch what I see throughout the season, do the take into account all the statistics, all the different things like that. And, you know, if it if it warrants it, get off of some of these preseason biases, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. I really like the Eagles coming into the year, too. But this is one of the games I had circled. Falcons are one of those pass heavy teams that can really exploit the biggest weakness in that Eagles team. That's the secondary. So that's why I'm pretty high on the Falcons. All right, guys, appreciate you listening and listening to our process and our thought, our thoughts here. Um, uh, Brett is uh, just just so everybody knows, Brett is uh, dead, dead, dead wrong on the Vikings and Packers. So go out and bet the Packers. I mean, go out and bet the Vikings in that game. Take the three points. You will uh, you will you will thank me later. And uh, no, I'm just I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll, We'll see how that one certainly plays out. And. Uh, very interested to see this this Bills and Giants game. I mean, with the top pass catcher out for the Giants there, uh, I think that the Bills defense now just has a, a really big edge over that offense and the pop gun arm of Eli Manning. So going to be pretty interesting uh, week in the NFL here. And, you know, Brett, look, with the quarterly prizes in the circuit contest here, uh, guys, the final numbers came out and it's going to be $143,000 for every quarterly prize. And so... We are really kind of with, I mean, we're being realistic here to beat out 1,800 teams for the top million dollar prize was never really the goal here. The goal was to continue to gather information to try and become more sharp as the season moved on and maybe snipe one of these quarterly prizes. And the fact that it moved from 50,000 up to 143,000, pretty interesting to me, pretty fun to me. And I certainly think, you know, after we get through these first few weeks, we'll be able to really get a feel for who these teams are and really, I think, kind of hone in. And I hope we can make a run at one of these quarterly things. Yeah, unfortunately, I think we're already drawn dead for the first quarterly, right? I mean, most likely. I mean, <laughs> most, m- most likely. likely. A 1-3-1 one, a right. one, and one is, is certainly not... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 1-3-1 yeah, is certainly not where we want to be starting with, with any of these. But again, like quarterly, quarterly prizes certainly 
uh, make this contest really, really interesting. And again, I think we're certainly going to get better as the as the season moves on here. I think this is something that we're I think this is something we we evaluate, I think, pretty well. And, you know, look, there's a lot of guessing that goes goes into the first three or four weeks of the season. Yeah, and look, if, if you're in the Circuit Contest and you're listening to this podcast, don't forget, we have a dedicated Circuit Sports Million page at thelines.com weekly. Uh, we post the weekly lines. We've got all the payouts there. We post this podcast there. Everything you need to know about the Circuit Sports Million, um, if you, you know, you can find all that stuff on this, uh, the Circuit homepage as well. But we've got it all on one page. might be easier to, to kind of consume all of it in one place so uh, definitely check that out it's right right on the lines homepage and be sure and uh follow us on twitter at the lines us at play picks us and you know if you're in the contest let us know your picks or even if you're not in the contest let us know what your picks would be I, i'm very interested to see that and see if, if any of our plays are way way off be sure and let us know we'll be back next week for brett i'm matt good luck this week in week two